0: Amen indeed. We will be going to Luke chapter 2 this morning, verses 22, 25, and through 35. They'll be on the screen here behind me if you want to follow along. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous. And devout, He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what was custom of the law that required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised So that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This is the word of God for us people of God, and together we say, thanks "Thanks be to God. God. We are in the third week of Advent. It is the third week of our Advent series called the Original Christmas Carols. These Original Christmas Carols are not just jingle bells or go tell it on the mountain. These are the stories that come to us from Luke chapter 2. And they're songs. They are random songs where four different characters just burst out singing about different things. In our first week, we talked about Zachariah, the song he sang after his son John was born, and he got his voice back. Last week, we talked about Mary, her bravery. And today, we are celebrating Simeon. And the song that he sings about seeing the glory of the Lord. But before we jump into our sermon this morning, I just want to say thank you for a number of things. First off, I have been overwhelmed by the response of how many of you have been helping me by filling out that survey. I appreciate so much. I thought like 50 people might do it. 168 people have filled that out for me and I'm so grateful to you all, so thank you. Yeah, we're gonna clap for that, cool. Y'all are awesome. I, I appreciate your support, so if you don't know, I'm trying to finish it up, my doctoral work, and part of that is analyzing and asking for feedback. And so thank you for all that you have done and helped me do that. I want to um, celebrate that there was a, a generous donation that helped us to get this drum cage up here, so the drums aren't quite as loud, and you know, and, and we can celebrate that God is, uh, is, is moving in all sorts of ways. But the one thing that was very evident on that survey. Was the same thing that's been said to me very often? The drums are so loud. So we got this cage. It's all, you know, hopefully that's helping with the sound. And also every time we have somebody new up here, I just give thanks to God because it takes bravery to just come up here in front of everybody. And Wilson Brand has been part of our church for a long time, and he decided, I mean, he was a little late this morning because he didn't know how things work around here. I mean, we're late, but he's like extra late. But we just give thanks that he was willing to serve with us this morning. So thank you, Wilson. If you can't tell, we're a church that likes to celebrate, and we love each other, and we're very honest, and this is just a time for us. This is not a performance. This is a time for us to be together. And so when I talk, it's just, it's part because we are in worship as a family. You're not just watching worship. We are worshiping together. And now, I believe that God speaks to us through the sermon. God speaks to me even in writing the sermon. Let's experience it together. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth. Meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Our Lord, our strength and our redeemer, we thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, amen. amen. I'm curious, how many of you listen to Christmas music before December 1st? Show of hands. Show of hands. Who's going? All right. All right. That's good. we got some honesty in the house. All right. How, about, how many of you were listening to it before Thanksgiving? Chad was doing it before Thanksgiving. I see some, all right, I see a few others. How, what's the earliest Could you go? How many of you were you listening to it before November? Anybody? We actually have some people that are willing to admit that. That's impressive. You know, I, I've not listened to it that early, but the second it seems like mildly appropriate, I will start listening to Christmas music. I love it. I love, my favorite, my, mine and my wife's favorite band is Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors and they have a couple Christmas albums and we just, we play them on repeat. Throughout through the Christmas season. But if you ever notice how touchy people are about the subject of when we should start listening to Christmas music, I mean, the passion and emotion that goes into this, like, opinion, it's really astounding. I mean, the amount of emotional energy is almost as much as trying to decide which is the best football team in the state of Alabama. And we all know which one it is Huntington College. I'm just saying. Hawk them, all right? We'll, we'll work on that, all right? So, for people, it, it can be very touchy about when we start listening to Christmas music, but I've got good news for you. These original Christmas carols that we've been studying, these songs that are from Luke, you can actually listen to them by reading the text, by remembering these words all year round. And so, for those of you who love Christmas music, it is never too early to celebrate these Christmas carols, these songs from Luke. I mean, there are Christians who actually read these, sing these, celebrate these every single day. There are Christian traditions for the past 1600 years that take some of these texts that we've been reading for the past three weeks, and we'll read again next week, and they include it in their daily prayers or in their weekly worship services. If you go down the street to Trinity Episcopal Church on Thursday, Their morning prayer service includes Zachariah's song we sang two weeks ago. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn will break upon us. If you go to an evening Vesper service at Sacred Heart, you will pray with Mary's song from last week. My soul praises God. He has remembered me today in his mercy. He has filled the hungry with good things. Churches and monasteries and individual Christians have been using these songs since the 300s. Zechariah's song in the morning, Mary's song as a sunset prayer. And today, the song of Simeon is a traditional prayer for bedtime. I don't know if you know that or not, but a lot of Christians throughout Christian history have used this text as their prayer for bedtime. Let your servant go in peace, for I have seen your salvation. It's the oldest Christian lullaby. And I bet some of you are pretty interested in a prayer that we can use at our bedtime routines that might bring us a little bit of extra rest or peace in the evenings because I have a sneaking suspicion we are all searching for rest when it's time to go to bed. If TV ads and consumer reports are any indication, a lot of us are desperate for anything that will help us sleep a little bit better. Every podcast I listen to has some sort of new sleep technology that's gonna help you get more rest in the evening times. I mean, you can get a sheet, you can get some sheets that three former presidents used not the actual sheets they use, but like the same brand, all right? We're not gonna be weird about it. You can get a Casper mattress delivered right to your door and try it free for 100 days. You can get some sort of like soundscape so it sounds like you're in an Amazon jungle with the rain falling. You can get these lights that will you know, gently wake you up in the morning so that it's not so abrupt. Your Fitbit will track how well you sleep so you can figure out when are the exact right amount of time. I mean, there are so many things that are trying to help us get more rest. Maybe you have purchased all of those things. And I ask, are they helping? Are you finding more rest? Are you sleeping better? Because we we live in a restless age. It seems harder and harder to let go at the end of the day, to get our mind off of work, to get our mind off our worries, to get our mind off the things that keep us frantic. And on those few evenings where we're not burning the midnight oil, working at the things that should have been accomplished earlier in the day, the things that we think might never be accomplished, on those few evenings when we're not actually working, sometimes we'll stay up extra late because we don't know when the next time we'll have an evening of rest is. So we'll watch an episode, an extra episode of Netflix. Maybe we'll play video games for a little longer or read our book for a little longer because who knows when we'll get that next chance where there's not some sort of pressing matter on our minds. I think part of this is because it's hard to ever imagine we're actually done, that our day is actually over, that we finished the things we need to finish, that we need to, that we can let go because we have fulfilled all the things that need to be fulfilled. It's like life is one big Marvel movie that's to be continued to the next one. Or we complete some sort of scene, some sort of narrative, only for another one to start up the next day. Have you, are you there? Is that your life or is that just me? I mean, I might just be speaking out of personal experience and you can't relate to this sermon. If so, thank you for being here. I hope you like the music. But I feel like based on how much technology is forced on us trying to help us find rest and sleep and how many things are out there helping us trying to practice mindfulness that is become a pretty common experience at the end of our days for us to be able to let go to be able to say as Simeon has says now my heart is free i have seen your promises fulfilled i have seen your salvation what would you give if at the end of the day you could pray that prayer you could say it honestly? The season we're in right now is called Advent. It is a season of hope. Brittany and I didn't talk about this, but a couple of times today, she's used the word hope to describe these songs. Hope is very much at the forefront of our texts of our week this week of Advent. A couple of weeks ago we, we saw how much it cost Zachariah when he stopped hoping, right? He lost his voice, he wasn't able to be there with his wife and celebrate the birth of their son. Last week we saw the opposite. We saw Mary's strength and hope and how it made her brave and persevere. From different directions, both Zachariah and Mary point us to the same path. They push us to dream big dreams to expect God to do great things, to hope for things that others can hardly imagine. But Simeon comes and helps us realize that the substance of our hopes matter as much as the size of our hopes. Let me say that again. The substance of our hopes, the things we actually hope for, those matter just as much as the size of our hopes. Simeon found rest because he knew very specifically what he was hoping for. He knew what he had hoped to see and when he saw it, he was able to rest. He knew what God had promised and he knew when that promise was fulfilled. Day after day, Simeon showed up to the temple. Simeon was waiting because God had promised that he would see the Messiah. So Simeon showed up to the temple day after day, waiting to see the very thing that he hoped for. And when he found it, Righteous, devout Simeon, living this life of spiritual discipline for so long, when he saw what God had promised, he said, my eyes have seen. He found true rest. I hope we won't just admire Simeon for how he waited, as we've talked about in this Advent season, waiting. I hope that Simeon also reminds us that one day the waiting will be over. I think in life, oftentimes we end up hoping for things just perpetually. And then maybe sometimes we get those things and we don't find the fulfillment that we were hoping to experience. I wonder how often we think about what it should feel like the day after we get what we've been hoping for. The day after we experience the things that our hopes have been filling us to expect. I mean, we're told that God, even God rested after God finished the creative work. Are the things you are hoping for, do they provide you rest when you experience them? Or do they leave you unfulfilled? If you hope for something or you work for something and you get it, how do you feel afterward? What kind of things do you place your hope in? And what do those things provide for you? A few years back, there was a craftsman tool ad that had a commercial during the holidays, and it opened up with this dad who was building something. He was shadowed, he had a work light on, and he was hammering away, he was sawing, he was bolting things together. And then it said, uh, whoever complained about burning the midnight oil never won the title world's best dad And in that last phrase, the camera pulls back and we see this swing set as it's being finished on what we presume to be Christmas Eve. we understand that this dad has been up laboring all night on Christmas Eve, putting this together for his children. But that camera and that ad leaves out a lot, of course, doesn't it? It leaves out him missing dinner because he's putting together this swing set. It, It leaves out him sitting up in the middle of the night sweating because of what this new swing set might cost their budget. It leaves out this haunting question. Is fatherhood really a competition? What does it mean to be hoping to be world's best dad? Some of us are like, yeah, fatherhood's a competition. And mothers are like, you don't know competition until you've been a mother. I'm just saying. But at best, we know that that is not the version of ourselves that Christ calls us to be. At my best, I remember that parenting isn't about me. It's not about my ego or my status or my reputation of being the world's best. It's about my kid. It's about our children. There are lots of reasons to build a swing set, but I hope status wouldn't be one of them. If we hope that our kids or our family members or whoever it might be will justify us, will validate us, We will always be craving for that because we will never be fully satisfied. We will always be competing if we're trying to be better than everybody else. Whatever craftsman was teaching us to hope for, I bet it won't bring us that peace. It's sleep time that we are looking. I bet craftsman's hopes mean that we have to buy more things eventually, more tools later on down the road we should know that God is not asking for us to justify or validate ourselves. I don't know what it is that you have been hoping for. Maybe it's nostalgia for a time past, for things to be returned to what they used to be. Maybe it is for material possessions of some sort. Maybe it is for a job. Maybe I don't know what your hopes are. I don't know what keeps you running and if you just enjoy running, getting those things and then moving on to the next, eternally hoping for something, no, not really believing you'll ever be fully happy or satisfied. But I know this because Simeon helped us see it. God does give rest. I know that God wants to give us rest Not the momentary fleeting, not the self-indulgent, make-us-feel-good-for-the-second kind of rest, but a rest that is deep in our soul, a rest that lasts. The Holy Spirit gave Simeon a hope that he could look for, someone he could see, someone he could touch, someone who is real and tangible. Simeon knew what he was looking for, waited for it, knew what would actually satisfy him, and finding it found true rest. And here's the thing, what Simeon hoped for and found could have been found by anybody that day. Simeon's rest wasn't some luxury good that only he could afford. Simeon's rest wasn't a secret thing that you had to be really religious to get to one day. Jesus came for all people. And Simeon wasn't private about the thing he was hoping for. It wasn't something he had to keep in secret. Everybody could know about it. He was singing it in the courts of the Gentiles, which is where everybody hung out. And he was saying every day what he was waiting for and hoping for. And then he sang this song so that everybody could hear it. He said, prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of Israel that all people witnessed and experienced this Christ child that came into the courts that day. So I have some news for you this morning. This is gonna be stressful news for some of us, hopeful news for some of us. Christmas is almost here. It's gonna be here in a week from Tuesday. It's coming for everybody all over the world. When Christmas comes, some folks will get what they're waiting for and others won't. Some people will discover what they've been waiting for does not fulfill them in the way that they thought it would, that nothing has changed in the way that they were hoping it did. And the saddest thing of all is that some of us will miss the gift that God was holding out, the gift that God is offering for us because we were hoping for the wrong thing. We will miss that God does want to give us rest, that God does want us to see the glory of the Lord, that Emmanuel, Christ, is with us. God has come to earth to bring peace. So what are you hoping for? What are you expecting? What is it that you think will bring you fulfillment? Have you stopped to ask, is this something that God is in, that God can bless, that God will bring rest through? Or is it something that will only leave you wanting more, that will only have you searching for the next thing? May you hope for the things of God. May the substance of your hopes be as important as the size of your hopes. And may God give you rest. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.